Hey everyone, this is uh, Willie Fletcher here and welcome to our new podcast show called Mind to Mind where we sit and chat about anything mental health related, try and take down certain uh, certain fears and phobias that you might have about the world of mental health. So welcome and enjoy. Joining us tonight is Jason and Hashida. How are you tonight, Hashida? Doing great, Jason. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Will, how are you tonight? Yeah, I'm fine. I had a pretty busy day, but I'm just relaxing and just chilling out in my bedroom, basically. But yeah, I'm happy to be here. Cool. What's the topic tonight you want to talk about? I wanted to talk about um, ASD, the autism spectrum disorder, because it's something um, that I've been questioning my entire life about what it truly is. And um, it has um, become kind of a pretty dominant in my life lately since I um, now go to a program um, which is not too far away from where I live called Chill. And Chill is a, a program for young adults or just adults in general that are on the autism spectrum. And we do like a certain range of activities, like there's like chill writing, there's music, there's um, this foundation, which is again, it's kind of like an orientation for the whole thing, cooking and things like that. But um, like um, the first time in my life, I've seen so many people in one place that have the condition. And it's pretty insightful to see that we are all kind of alike in the way that we see and process things and um i've always been frustrated of, of getting a clear definition of autism because it always seems that when i look it up it always seems to be unclear of what it actually is it's just talking about like the symptoms of like social awkwardness not being able to connect in the way that non-autistic people would prefer um, being obsessive about certain things to the point where it can become unreasonable and things like that. But I did look somewhere that it simply means an inward focused mind. So I'm not entirely sure what that means, but um, all I know is that people with autism process reality differently than to people who do not. Yeah, kind of what you're talking about there kind of goes right to the stigma, isn't it? Where we start to define you as the way how you were different, not about how you actually, um, how you actually are as a person. Mm. So it's really interesting. Like, yeah, you've gone to try and look at how you are. um, Mm. And all you're saying is like everything that's supposedly different about you. But yeah. like, there are plenty of people out there that are probably inward, inwardly focused. Um, mm. They're probably just quiet achievers or something like that. Rashida, what yeah. do you think? <laughs> uh, Jason, I worked for a brief time with children on the autism spectrum as a junior behavior therapist. So I've seen all this from a different light as a you know as a therapist. So. Again, if somebody asks me for a definition, I've struggled with it too, because it's very, very, way too generic. And the students I've worked with, everyone differs. I've never, I mean, I've, I've not seen anybody identical. And I've 
kind of worked with people, uh, you know, children who are very young to young adults, you know, around 24, 25 years of age. Everyone's been different. But if I have to look at some common characteristics, I have seen a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of them have OCDs, some of them communicate verbally. And I've seen excellent communicators as well. And one of the things that uh, they say with the social awkwardness, right? Um, I personally, I have a nephew who's on the spectrum. And with him, what we experienced is he was nonverbal for a long time. He wouldn't meet our eyes. So that's like the social thing was social aspect of things with missing. And, uh, you know, a lot of other issues as well. He had issues with digestion, quite a few things with sleeping. Uh, and uh, time to time now, he's a lot bigger. He's around 11, 12 years of age. Uh, but then it changes. So sometimes he has OCDs with, uh, you know, um, I don't know, it's sometimes types of food. And, um, you know, I don't know what triggers, but it's a lot of things. And what I've found consistently is uh, some of the frustrations come with not being able to express how they feel and like you like you just you said right how they perceive things is different and i can understand it right now when you say it mm-hmm. when you can't you know emote that to another person um then th- th- it could be frustration frustrating and one of the things that uh, you know help help us thrive is communicating so and that's not you know that's not very the other person doesn't get you i can imagine it can be into yeah. Um, yeah. yeah it's kind of interesting like what you're saying is is totally from an observer's point of view as well so um, from your perspective will when you say that um it's hard for people to understand you and stuff like, how would you actually say that makes you feel what is it that they're not actually understanding from you i um well first um, i feel a lot more understood now by, by other people than i ever have been in the past and i do um realize that certain people will get me more than others because like being an autistic kid being raised in a family of people who don't have that condition um, something I sensed from my parents early on from young ages was um, a lot of confusion in like the way that I behaved, why I, how I fixated towards certain objects that normal kids wouldn't. Um, when I was young, I had a very strong fascination with elevators and lifts. I would always want to go to like the shopping centre and like ride them a lot. Yeah. And- yeah, and and, and when you never... say strange, is that your words or is that someone else's words and you've now adopted them? Like when you were a kid, did you see it as a strange fascination or was it just a fascination? You like lifts? Yeah, it didn't seem didn't seem fascinating to me. I guess that's just something I labelled it as as I grew older. But ne- no one ever judged me for it as strange. They they were just you know confused of where that was coming from and why I was doing that. But they never saw it as, as something that needed to be stopped. So, so, okay. so, so my family was very supportive of my certain obsessions that would slowly evolve over um, as I got older and would branch out into other things. So, yeah. And something I think I've noticed about people with autism is that they tend to commun- communicate better 
when their their communication is focused on something that they like because it's something that they can control and something that they can it's it's easy for them to talk about it's 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 not chaotic it's not just like oh let's talk about anything i don't know let's talk about the weather let's talk about i don't know let's talk about school it just seems like well what's the first thing that comes to mind well it's the things that i like to do so i'm just going to talk about those things so i feel like that is kind of a way that people on the spectrum connect because they're focused on something that they know that they like and they want to know if somebody else likes that thing. So yeah, connecting through things and objects instead of more unpredictable social concepts that they probably haven't wrapped their heads around yet. I see you're thoroughly enjoying what Will is saying, Hashida. Do you want to talk to that? Like I said, uh, I've always come from a teacher's perspective and uh, you know, some of the training that, that I've attended is uh, focused on this. And I only see the behavior and I can only report on what I've seen. Um, and yes, predictability is one thing. Like um, a lot of the children what, that I've seen, right, when something's unpredictable uh, and they don't know what's going to happen next, right, that's kind of overwhelming for some some children. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed that. Like when you said that, right, I understand that now. Um, uh, so familiarity. And then some children kind of hold on to objects in their hand too um i've noticed this i don't know i mean i don't know i think it pacifies them because at times if i've tried to take them away then that has triggered some behaviors because mm-hmm. that pacifies them in some ways it could be a you know a physical stimuli or um for some i think music also helps it's a- yeah music is definitely a uh, strong thing that I think all autistic people like because uh, music has order to it, though it also makes you feel things. And, you know, autistics are very emotionally, um, that their emotions are very wide and very deep. I, I often think that I've heard people in like the past that autistics lack empathy. And I think that is an extremely toxic thing to say to a person with autism because they don't. Um, all children have, have empathy. So, um, and when, when people say that they don't, I feel that's, and autistics start to believe that um, bad things can happen. So, yeah. Actually, interesting you bring that up. I was supposed to uh, teach one of my students to read emotions. Mm-hmm. I found that hard to do because um, my student, if, if he saw sad on my face, he would get so upset yeah and i i couldn't deal with that because um, i mean as a teacher also i can see that right it impacts me too so i actually had to kind of stall that program a bit because um i didn't want those reactions he it means that he reads my emotions very well pretty well he may not emote in the right way or you know uh, compared to others but uh, who are not on the spectrum but doesn't mean that he doesn't yeah and I feel that kids with autism, they really do try to connect with other people, but they only connect in the way that they know. And and I do feel like that's through their their interests, through through objects, um, instead of um, the, the the crazy world of social blossoming in childhood that they just can't seem to understand. 
And once an autistic person gets shut down again and again and again, they, I think a lot of them just give up trying and they prefer to live in their world of, sol- of solitude because it's just much easier than trying to make that leap and having it fail again and again and they just feel like it's, it's an impossible bridge to cross. But it's not. You just need to have somebody that, that understands and someone that can understand the way they, they connect but possibly even nudge them into learning other ways as well, which I think is something that kids with autism desperately need. Yeah, like that's a that's a really key concept there about having that connection and also having that encouragement. Um, what you said before and what Hashida said before about the reading of the emotions and then it kind of, what I heard was a cycle, like, so the kid's reading Hashida's emotions and Hashida can realise that he's reading the emotions but he's not emoting in a way that um, fully fully conveys what Hashida's feeling but Hashida can not change the way how she's feeling and then you get the kid kind of also going, okay, well, why isn't she changing the way how she's feeling? I'm showing my feelings. And you get that spiral kind of down because there's this confusion about the feeling and you can't actually get out of that spiral because you've got yeah. two different concepts about how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Because um, when I was in primary school, something that I really took away from, from school is that something that I really think that school, early school need to do is have actual classes based on learning social skills because I think when I was a kid most teachers just probably knew that that all kids already knew naturally how to navigate social interaction and I sure didn't I found it confusing as hell when I was a kid and people just expected me that to to know what was going on and I know I'm not the only one that that found socialising with people I didn't even know as a kid to be very confusing and very hard. Um, yeah, I well, have some friends though, but not many. I just found it to be very exhausting. So I, I would tend to kind of just end up on my own a lot. So, Yeah. Yeah, well, I grew up without friends. I was a bit of a loner. The only time that I really had social interactions was when I was picking a fight with someone. So, Mm. um, yeah, social interactions are hard, especially in schools, especially if you're the kid that gets picked on. Yeah, because, like, I'm at Chill and we're learning about social skills and classes and we're in our 20s and a lot of people there still have a lot to learn. And I just think it's, it's really a tragedy that schools don't teach this in primary school and they just, they just expect kids to make it on their own. I just feel that if we were able to introduce just like learning English, learning maths, learning science, learning how to socialise better and learning those fundamental skills to connect with other kids, I feel that would make society a better place instead of having so many people figure it out for themselves, even when they're well into like their twenties when they're, yeah. I feel like there was something missing from, from school. 
Did you do kindergarten and preschool and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, or did, did you just start? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they were teaching that too, but I don't know. I just feel like, I feel like I never got it correctly at school, but, but I tried. So. Uh, I'm 40 and I feel like I don't fit in. So, you know, congrats that you feel like these social skills are working for you. Cause I just fumble on. <laughs> Ashita, your thoughts? Mine was a little different. Uh, my dad had a transferable job, so I kept changing schools every couple of years. And, uh, you know, uh, if I when I look back, I hardly had any friends because by the time I made friends and I was an introvert, I was a very big introvert. Um, I mean, there was a phase when I was really quiet, but uh, I hardly had any friends up to my, I think, high school. And then I got into my senior high school and I stayed in a hostel. That's when I made friends. I had a gang of friends. Um, so all those years, right, I, I, had, I, I had a lot of time to, when you're quiet, what I've learned is you reflect too. So it's, it's been a very, very different experience for me. And, uh, and sometimes it's kind of sad too, because when you have friends, you learn from them too, you know? Mm. You learn a lot, you pick a lot up from your friends. So that's one way to, you know, you, you learn by copying and imitating others as well. So I think having friends is part of the journey. Um, so not having friends is, is a difficult thing. So I totally get what you're saying. Um, for me, it was just that, you know, um, it's just a new environment every time. It's made me cope in life because I've moved around quite a bit and I don't have that problem anymore. Uh, it's made me who I am today. But going through that process and not having many friends and having to start over again and again, that was a cycle that I found frustrating. So I can totally understand what you're trying to say because, um, you know, a friend is your, what is it, the mirror of your soul. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I totally believe in it. Um, mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, if something's tiring you out, maybe no, take it slow. Yeah, because um, I have made friends um, in my life. And, and like, I know when I've made a, a really good friend. But for some reason, even when I was a kid, I still have that critical part of my mind saying, well, why don't you have more friends? Or I'm not connecting with this person in the way I want to. I'm, I'm, I'm still friends with this person. I still feel isolated. How do I end this isolation that I feel? And I was just constantly trying to change the circumstances that, that I was in and not understanding why I, I, I felt this constant heavy isolation, even when I was close with people. And I was trying to figure out what was wrong with me, but, it really is just because I'm, I'm autistic and that's probably the way most people autism feel. Um, and like that, there've been several moments that I've treasured, like um, just me, I remember being with a friend I knew down, down the street and just like making the most stupid and, and ridiculous jokes and laughing like an idiot with him being one of the best moments of my life. So, yeah. And like just just playing a video game with someone playing halo with someone in their bedroom you know it's it is a great memory to have and um and like i would often just sometimes just walk to the bush with 
friends I knew on the street and just talk about things. And so, yeah, I, I have made friends, but I keep on, I don't know why even, even as a kid, I kept on kicking myself then feeling that I still didn't have enough connections. But, um, but yeah. So how do you feel now in life? Like you can't change your past. You're now in your twenties. I don't feel that way anymore. I, I do have friends and more often now I've been the one that's made the first step into establishing those friendships. But, um, I've had few, a few friendships over the past couple of years that have been, that I know are going to be long-term friendships. And I'm, I'm happy that I know these people and happy that they, they, they understand me for who I am. And, and most, most friends I make are on the autism spectrum, but there are some others that, that aren't, but I overall just with the, the long crazy journey that my teenage years were um, have found more confidence in myself and more security in knowing who I am and what my strengths and weaknesses are. So, yeah. So, and then how do you feel about society's perception of you now? Like you, you feel, it sounds like you've now developed your strengths, but do you feel, yeah. still feel like there's stigmas out there against you? It's not, funnily enough, it's not really about me that bothers me. It's all the other people autism in the world that people, that people misinterpret and don't understand. Cause I know um, day by day people, the world is, un- is understanding more and more about people on the autism spectrum because there's so much research going on it at, at, at the moment, but it still feels a bit cryptic still. I still feel like that there is a long way to go um, of being able to, to help and understand and help autistics fr- thrive in a, in a society that has been dominated by um, non-autistics for all of history and as time more and more time goes on the autistic pop- population is getting bigger and bigger it seems that with every coming year more and more children are being born on the autism spectrum people do have you, autism. yeah do, do you think that you that autistic people need to be fixed or do you think they just need to be understood better yeah they need to be understood um I do not think they need to be fixed because autistic people aren't broken. Yeah. Um, They only become broken by society, which is what people need, need to learn. Yeah. Yeah. I read an article recently that, um, you know, this thing uh, with girls, right? Their autism goes undiagnosed and, Mm. A lot of them because girls are commu- they communicate right they communicate a lot more than boys do and for various reasons this goes undiagnosed and a lot of people have struggled with it till uh, they've been diagnosed and then they know better what to do because they struggle with all these things and um, you know some of them i think struggle with adhd also that's another thing i've seen with some of my some of the you know children i've worked with um i've seen, i mean that's another another thing i've seen uh, and that's also very difficult, um, 
you know to teach and to learn these things become difficult and you're right about acceptance um i don't know why people have to think that someone should be a certain way and i'm speaking in the general sense too uh we are we are what we are we are unique in our own way and why can't we just accept that and be uniform and set in a certain pattern and um even with social cues right uh it doesn't have to be always the same. You move across countries, something that's right in this country may not be right in another country. Culture mm. may not be culturally appropriate. So, I mean, I have my take on that. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's, it's, yeah. uh, I do think that with age, uh, people do accept. You know, we are who we are. That acceptance comes too. But yeah. uh, I've never thought about it from a different perspective. Yeah. Uh, it just simply feels that that probably a lot of people in society just have this sort of like xenophobia against autistic behavior because they don't understand how it works. And instead of trying to fix these people and thinking that their quirks and the interests are some sort of problem or symptom that needs to be cured, they just celebrate who they are. And I would think society would be a far better pla- be far better off if people more people thought that way instead of just fearing what they don't understand. So, yeah. Yeah, if you look at nature, you know, you go into a forest, there's no two trees that are the same. But then you go and look at what man creates when they destroy a forest and suddenly it's a 100 pine trees sitting in the same row. So it's, it's definitely human nature to want things to be a certain way, whereas the natural world is just chaos and love what it is yeah yeah the, the world is chaos but it's like order coming out of chaos yeah well the chaos brings the beauty i mean you don't walk into a pine plantation and go this is beautiful well i don't no. anyway but if i go into a forest like a rainforest or something like that and i'm looking at all the different vines and the trees and the flowers and the waterfalls and stuff like that, then yeah. I am genuinely inspired by the beauty of nature. Because yeah. it, it, it's something that you can't predict or create. It just happens on its own account and it can't be controlled. Nope. Rashida, thoughts? No, I agree with you. I, I For this reason, I, I, I know I shouldn't use this word, but I hate landscaping. I don't like picture perfect things. I like what's in nature, you know, raw, beautiful, untouched, pristine, uh, anything you want to name it, right? I like it as it is, um, you know, with all the birds and animals and it's as coexisting as we are. And I love that about, you know, if that's there, I get an opportunity to even learn and observe. Um, mm-hmm. I miss that and currently I'm living in a place where everything's beautiful because it's been put that way but I've lived in a place where you know there was a lot of you know nothing was landscaped and then I had birds coming in and you know they just behave the way they should behave nobody tries to control them and we're all existing in a nice way and, and that's that's what I'd like to aspire to mm-hmm. yeah make a cockatoo talk so you put it in a cage and then get it yeah. to talk or make a bird whistle so that way you put it in a cage and teach it how to whistle yeah you don't but birds are born to fly not to be put in cages yeah and they sing yeah. their own song yeah exactly 
So yeah, any any further other topics or anything you want to talk about in that? I I have written down a list of a few topics. Um, um, I did write down um social connection, yeah, just as a whole, and anxiety. Okay, yeah. How does how does anxiety affect you? Um, I've had anxiety for years though it's gotten better over the years it just seems like something that is always present but you just keep on moving despite of it yeah okay yeah because i'm i'm not like i'm not i'm not like scared of my own shadow i'm but i i am scared of certain things in life as as we all are like i'm scared of um you know um, accidentally hurting somebody, saying saying the wrong things and making them upset. I'm scared of breaking the law and going to jail. Um, scared of uh, scared of being injured. Scared of being swooped by magpies. <laughs> but you know, stuff like and the, that. The thing about anxiety is they're more front of mind for you, though, aren't they? Because the 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 things that you're scared of, you're constantly thinking about. Yeah. And when you say that you're better lately, it, it means that you're you're not constantly thinking about those things. You feel good no. because probably because you got more social connections and everything going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I have a question for you. Is this anxiety stemming from the fear of doing wrong? Pretty much. I actually fear like becoming a sociopath or losing my sense of empathy or emotion, becoming null and void to the world. I think that's my my biggest fear of something like that happening to me. Because if you I, became those things, then you wouldn't be accepted or feel the sense of belonging, hey? Yeah, and that would make my my life experience even worse. Yeah. Because it's not just being a sociopath, but like, because if, if you become one, then like everybody rejects you. No one likes you. No one wants to have anything to do with you. But instead of, you know, trying to help you, you know, come back towards the light and hope that you can like recover from things like that, because I haven't really done research into things like that. And I, I don't know whether conditions like that can be cured, but I'm pretty sure they can be helped at least so yeah yeah well, mm -hmm. you go yeah, that brings me to another question and maybe we should for today maybe i mean i don't know how long we have left mm -hmm. um i think is if you're having an anxiety attack and you run across me what is that one thing you'd like me like to tell me and i want to help uh i'm trying to help and what what how would you like me to approach you or should i help I'll just probably just tell you about what is making me so scared and just being someone have someone there to let me know that i'm not alone and that these feelings will pass and that i'm not a bad person basically so yeah but i'm not having an anxiety attack i'm feeling pretty good so yeah but but <laughs> just to feel understood 
And I reckon you have a really good sense of belonging at the moment. Like you have good social connections and friends and you feel accepted. Yeah. Yeah. More so than I have than I ever have been before. Cool. Well we we definitely accept you. Awesome. Well, that's great. <laughs> Maybe do you want to talk about that pro uh, the one that you were talking about in the beginning? Um, I think it's called Chill or something. Yeah, Chill. Yeah, it's a uh, program that I started going to this this year, and I think it started in twenty seventeen. So it hasn't really been around for that long, and it's basically just like an adult program, um, help helping people on the autism spectrum and helping uh, helping us get to know other people, and and who are autistic and there are like mentors that are and, and aren't. It's just, just like a, basically it's a big positive social gathering and, and, and the betterment of autistic people basically. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I really like it. I've been really enjoying it. I think it's, it's, a, it's a great program. And, and as I said, I'm not sure if this is being done in, in, in like overseas in America, but I'm pretty sure it is. But it's just something that I wish was around um, when I was a kid. But but I'm just glad it, it exists now. So yeah, yeah, I'm glad too, actually. And um, you know, I just wanted more people to know about it. Uh, that's why I asked you to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I, I think that has also led to very good outcomes in the sense that you've got a circle, social circle now too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think that's all I really have to say. Cool. Well, we'll wrap it up. Do you have anything kind of like to say about reaching out for help or anything like that? Yeah, just um, talk to anybody that you can about whatever's on your mind and not everyone will understand, but um, a lot of them will. They want, um, as I say, it, it's it's cliched as, but you're never alone. If if you think you are, you're not. There's there's no such thing as being alone in this day and age with something, because we are all we're all experiencing the same things. We all seem to be suffering from the same problems at the moment, mostly isolation. So just, just keep talking um, no matter what it is. And I said, if you are feeling in crisis or feel like it's all caving in around you, just give Lifeline a call and they'll be able to pull you out of it. I've called them before and they've been a major help, though I haven't called them in quite a while because I never felt the need to. But if I do, I'll just pick up the phone. So, yeah. That's really good to hear. Mm-hmm. All right, we might leave it there. Yeah, all right. Cheers, thank you very much. All right, have a good night. Thank you.